AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. It is Thursday. It is February 1st. Bob, we've made it to February. Bob and Kayla here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. No more coaching vacancies in the NFL. Dan Quinn named the commander's head coach. We'll dive into that. We'll also get into the Phoenix Suns, picking up a win over the Nets last night, a little bit more around the NBA, plus some top remaining MLB free agents, a look around college hoops, and your phone calls if you'd like to join the conversation today. Plenty of variety of topics if you'd like to join. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take your calls around 1130 and 1215 as always listen to us here am 1060 with the uh kdos 1060 website and of course the kdos 1060 app there's still time for you to get involved in the waste management phoenix open tickets we have ga tickets for you wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday that tournament's taking place next week to get involved and potentially be a winner it's all through the kdos 1060 app but let, before we move forward here, let's reset the scene or set the scene for the day with the KDOS1060.com poll question. And the question here is, are you enjoying the more competitive college basketball season, which has included many more upsets of top 10 teams? The masses are out in front to the tune of 67% of the vote on the yes side of things, no trailing at 33%. Including another upset last night uh, with Kentucky losing at home to Florida. Now, granted, Kentucky without two of its best players, but still a seven-and-a-half-point favorite last night. They lose straight up at home to the University of Florida. And Purdue uh, avoided a second loss this season to a feisty Northwestern team. Uh, Purdue forced to go into overtime. They were actually lucky to get the game into overtime. Northwestern had a a five-point lead with about two minutes to go. And uh, kind of blew that, and uh, yeah, Chris Collins lost his mind. And I understand it because the foul differential in this game was enormous, uh, and uh, he just kind of lost it. There was a really bad call in the final the final you know, possession of the competitive phase of the game. Uh, so, But Purdue escapes and avoids losing twice in the same season to Northwestern. And also, Bob had a great conversation with Carrie Miller of Bleacher Report. If you missed any of it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. And we'll answer that poll question today around 1230. Tossing it on over to X at KDOS AM1060. Should the 76ers consider trading Joel Embiid after this season? The masses are on the no side of things here at 60% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 40%. I actually heard this mentioned yesterday afternoon on ESPN, so that's kind of where this came from. But uh, this also came after Embiid is injured again. And, uh, you know, he has yet to play more than, I believe, it's 59 games in any regular season uh, so far. And uh, he was he got injured on Tuesday night, suffered a knee injury. Of course, after he had the two missed games prior to that with uh, a knee uh, soreness. 
They cleared him to play. This is a totally different injury. Uh, I don't even think it takes a non-medical person to ascertain that. This was a totally different thing than just a, you know, a sore knee from before. Uh, he got uh, he definitely he got kind of uh, you know kind of uh, you know pinned uh, between an opposing player and the floor and uh, he limped off the floor and they had an MRI I guess in San Francisco and apparently they didn't like the results there. He's now flown home to Philadelphia. He's going to miss the rest of the Philadelphia road trip. Uh, he's uh, flown home to Philadelphia for further examination and. Uh, uh, the 76ers have been really vague on this, and maybe I'm just you know, take, talking out of turn here a little bit, but usually when teams are this vague about an injury, it's probably not a good thing. Yeah, I was thinking that to myself, that I really heard absolutely nothing about it, was scouring through this morning and still saw nothing. So um, to that point, probably trying to get maybe a second and a third opinion. I guess uh, so. Or they already know what the deal is, and they're just uh, you know trying to maybe get a confirmation from somebody in their staff in Philadelphia. But uh, even for the Sixers and Embiid, uh, there's been many injuries for several years, unfortunately now, and uh, they've been pretty secretive over the years as far as uh, you know secrets in the NBA go. Uh, but uh, this seems to be like almost espionage secrecy here. You can join the program today. Uh, 1130-1215-602-260-1060 is the number. Let's get things started here with... The Phoenix Suns topping the Nets last night, 136 to 120. Yusuf Nurkic had a big night, 28 points, 11 of 15, 11 rebounds, six assists, and two blocks. But the team was led by Kevin Durant in his return to Brooklyn. There was a tribute video, if you were wondering. 33 points, 10 of 16, five rebounds, eight assists, and two blocks for him. And the Suns used a very strong third quarter to pull away and kind of had to settle things down there to the start of the fourth quarter when the Nets were able to cut the lead to 13, but ultimately then able to pull away once again. Okay, a lot of things here. Unfortunately, this is another waste of time NBA game because, you know, arguably, you know, certainly two of the four or five best players for the Nets weren't playing because of injury uh, with Sharper and also, you know, you know Dorian Finney-Smith out and, you know, the Ben Simmons thing. Well, he had 18 minutes when his return uh, on Monday night, uh, and then he has he has a knee contusion, and he didn't play last night. But I don't even think he really factors in. But Sharp's been a really good player this year. Finney Smith has been mentioned in many trade rumors. Neither of those guys played last night. Grayson Allen didn't play for the Suns. You mentioned the Nurkic thing. Interesting strategy from the Nets, which I you know, figured out immediately. Uh, they didn't mention it on the ABC broadcast until halftime. Uh, but it was obvious that the Nets and Jacques Vaughn and the coaching staff had decided we're just going to let Nurkic do whatever he wants. If he gets 30 points, so be it. Well, he almost got 30 points, and that strategy didn't work. They were just going to basically uh, try to take away Durant and Booker and Beal, and obviously uh, Durant still scored over 30 points in the game. But that was clearly their strategy. And like I said, I noticed this literally in the first quarter of the game. I was very disappointed that it was not mentioned on the ABC broadcast until literally halftime when Cassidy Hubbard uh, mentioned it after she talked to Jacques Vaughn, who basically said, 
well, we're just going to let you know get him get his points. But it was obvious literally from the start of that game, <clears throat> excuse me, that that was their strategy. But anyway, he took advantage of that. You know, the Nets are one of the, uh, you know, quote, shortest teams in the NBA. They have almost no length. And uh, you know, Nurkic just did whatever he wanted. He made 11 out of 15 field goal attempts. And we've mentioned this several times before. He's a very skilled player with the ball. And he had 28 points. He got 11 rebounds, had six assists last night. And uh, so that was good for him that he was able to do that. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, unfortunately, another waste of my two and a half hours of uh, valuable time watching an NBA game. Uh, the Suns, they had 35 assists, eight from KD, six from Nurkic, four from Gordon, five from Beal, eight from Booker. Ball movement obviously there. The big three. They have now played 17 games together and are 11 and six in those 17 games together. Um, for the Nets, we you had mentioned there that Ben Simmons did not play for them last night. Uh, Mikel Bridges, 21 points, 7 of 16, 6 of 12 from 3. Cam Johnson, 18 points, 6 of 12, 3 of 7 from 3. And the team was led by Cam Thomas there with 25 points, 11 of 19. When... When it comes to the Suns and the road trip here, it looks like no practice scheduled for today. The team will play the Hawks Friday, 5.30 p.m. When it comes to the NBA West standings, the Timberwolves continue to lead the way here, 34-14 uh, and 14 on the season. The Thunder sitting in second at 33-15 and 15 with their record. The Clippers now in third at 31-15. and 15. And then the Nuggets at 33-16. and 16. Things are then really tight in the the five through uh nine range here five kings at 27 and 19 the sun sixth at 28 and 20 the pelicans seventh at 27 and 21 and the mavs eighth at 26 and 22 then the lakers and the jazz which uh both play tonight not against each other though but they both play tonight 24 and 25 you what you want to do the suns are sixth right now you do not want to be from seven to ten because that means you're in the uh playing tournament whatever they call that thing uh to get into the playoffs and you do not want to finish below sixth absolutely so they definitely need to continue to take advantage of the next two games on the road playing the hawks and the wizards two teams that uh aren't really racking up a whole lot of wins win those games before you come home and then uh have the bucks in town on tuesday Speaking of the Bucks, though, they have lost two the the first two games now with Doc Rivers coaching. Last night in Damian Lillard's return to Portland, one nineteen to one sixteen. Lillard had twenty five points, but nine of twenty three shooting. Giannis twenty seven points, ten of sixteen. Meanwhile, Ayton with twenty points, ten of seventeen from the floor. However, the Bucks are still sitting here in second place in the East, running through the East standings. The Celtics remain out in front at thirty seven and eleven. The Bucks at 32 and 16 the Knicks in third at 31 and 17 the Cavs 29 and 16 then the 76ers here 29 and 17 in fifth the Pacers 27 and 21 in sixth the Heat 25 and 23 and the Magic in eighth at 25 and 23 that nine and ten spots the Bulls 23 and 26 and the Hawks 20 and 27. And almost all these teams are going to look different, or maybe not all of them, but I think a large percentage of these teams will look different after the trade deadline, which is one week from today. 
Joel Embiid, as we mentioned here, he's out for tonight's game. Uh, unclear what those MRI results actually showed. The 76ers are at the Jazz. It's the late game tonight, 8 p.m. on TNT. And the Lakers and the Celtics, 5.30 p.m. on TNT. Does that at all entice you? What was the second game? Uh, the Lakers and the Celtics. No. Uh, the Lakers just had a losing month. Uh, they're kind of screwed as far as trying to make a trade here. Uh, because of the uh, rules of the NBA, they can only include one first-round pick. Who on their roster do they actually have? You know that people would really want. You, they're gonna. They're trying to trade D'Angelo Russell. Good luck. Uh, that they've been. You know they kept him. I was amazed that they brought him back. Obviously, I've never been a fan of D'Angelo Russell since he was the most selfish athlete in the history of Ohio State University, uh, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating there. And he really, you know, he's on a different NBA team on a regular basis because of his selfish play. And that, that's what their trade chip is, supposedly. So, you know, it might work as far as a salary cap match, as far as, you know, the trade provisions, as far as the, uh, you know, salary cap, et cetera, goes. Uh, but, you know, they say they're not, they, Austin Reeves is not available. That's actually the one player on their roster that I think that they could trade and get a decent player in return, but apparently he's not available. Uh, that'll do it for NBA as it is right now. On the other side of the break, we'll transition to the NFL. No more head coaching vacancies with the commanders hiring Dan Quinn, making that official announcement this morning. That means Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel on the outside looking in uh, for both of them in terms of uh, NFL coaching positions also something else caught my attention in terms of the Packers hiring a defensive coordinator not necessarily who he is but then what transpired after that uh, through social media and I thought it was kind of an interesting uh, debate if you will about the state of college football so we'll get into all of those coaching things surrounding the NFL on the other side of the break it is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. 11:22, right here on this Thursday, February 1st. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So let's start first here with the snowball effect that's going to take place with the commanders hiring Dan Quinn this morning. He's going to be their new head coach. So one, he's leaving the Dallas Cowboys as their defensive coordinator. Uh, certainly he's done a really nice job as the defensive coordinator, but you have the lasting, um, I guess the lasting images of the Dallas defense and that uh, that last game that they played, in addition to some areas struggling against the run, but 
overall, he's done a really nice job with that Dallas defense, and he is now going to go and essentially really be rebuilding in uh, the D.C. area with the Commanders because they traded away their two best defensive players, and they're going to have a lot of cap space as well. And there's, I don't think there's, I've mentioned this several times, well, maybe not several times because I don't know. I don't know how many times we actually talked about the commanders <laughs> during the season. Uh, but there, I don't think there's a team that had a worse defensive backfield than the commanders. They were off. Uh, they didn't cover and they couldn't tackle. Other than that, they were really good. And then they'll also have to figure out what they want to do with Sam Howell. Uh, I know that you're really high on Sam Howell or maybe not really high, but yeah. you think he's, he's a, no, he's a good quarterback. I think he could be a starting quarterback in the league, but he's not going to be their starting quarterback because you know, every mock draft that I've seen, which I must admit, I've not looked at a ton of them, but a, you know, a couple of them here in Lurie, nobody, everybody has them taking a quarterback with the third pick. So, so long, Sam. Uh, so he's going to have what he needs to do to figure out uh, who's going to be his offensive coordinator, other additional hires, if he's going to be bringing anyone with him from Dallas over to promotions, if yeah. you will, or if they'll be promoted. I'm sorry. I, I, he supposedly is bringing a couple assistants from Dallas, and also I've gone totally blanks here. The defensive backs coach for the Cowboys is supposedly going to be their next defensive coordinator. Um, wasn't he in the running, I believe, uh, Al Harris? Is that who we're talking about? That would be – that's exactly it. Al, how could I forget Al Harris? I watched him play for the Bears. Um, yeah, and if he, – he played at ASU. He might have played for ASU. Anyway, uh, way back in the day. But Al Harris is supposedly at least uh, several players have endorsed him. I don't know if that matters. I guess it matters if you're at the Raiders because if you like the coach, you automatically get the head coaching job. <laughs> uh, whether you deserve it or not. But, uh, you know, so that seems to a couple guys are leaving with him to go to Washington. I'm going to record this on NFL Network in the last hour or two with their insiders who are all at the Senior Bowl. Uh, so uh, that's where I got that from. So uh, if, if it's incorrect or inaccurate, that's where I stole it from. So that'll be what's next for the Cowboys to figure out what they're going to do defensively here, where they're going to turn for their defensive side of the ball. But then also you, this you is know staying what, you in know what division. They need, what they need to do is they need to get some guys that are physical. They need some big linebackers, which they don't have. They had like a literally a 215-pound linebacker who just got mauled all the time. They need better personnel and be more physical on defense no matter who the coordinator is. Uh, so that's next up uh, for the Cowboys here as all the head coaching positions have officially been filled in the NFL. I wanted to bring this up here because the Packers yesterday hired Jeff Halfley as their new defensive coordinator. Halfley was uh, the Boston College head coach from 2020 to 2023, and he took Boston College to three bowl game appearances. He does have quite an extensive coaching experience yes. in the NFL, though. Uh, a former yes, he does. Former DB coach with the Bucks in 2013, DB coach with the Browns from 2014 to 2015, DB coach with the 49ers from 2016 to 2018, co-defensive coordinator and DB coach with Ohio State in 2019 before he got the Boston co College head coaching job. And he did an excellent job at Ohio State, and after he left, their defense sucked. Uh, actually, he wasn't very good before he got there for one year when they had the Alex Grinch thing going on. By the way, Alex Grinch got another coordinator job last week. 
and Wisconsin. I don't understand how this continues. I mean, he wasn't any good at Ohio State. He was good at Washington State for one year under Mike Price, which is seemingly strange when you'd have a good defensive coordinator and Mike Price is your head coach. That got him the job uh, at Ohio State. He went from Ohio State to Oklahoma. He went from Oklahoma to USC. And then he's now at Wisconsin, who hired him last week. Did Wisconsin not watch him, his defenses? Why would you hire him at this point? That okay, seems sorry. shocking. Uh, just yeah, but yeah, but Halfley did an excellent job at Ohio State, and uh, yeah, 2019 they did a you know, they were very good on defense. They should have actually they could have won the national championship in 2019. That's the year I think they lost at Purdue. Uh, they lost to oh that was the year they lost to Iowa at Iowa, and uh, so but uh, they were good and they were they had they were very good on defense that particular year. So here's what struck this whole thing in motion. Pete Thamel of ESPN, well, he's, I think, the first person I at least saw to announce the Halfley as new defensive coordinator with the Green Bay Packers. But he also had commented in a few more social media posts about the reason that Halfley is taking this coordinator job and that it rooted yeah. in the state of college football and opportunities to work for one of the NFL's most respected respected franchises a source told thamel and this was in quotes so this appears to be a uh source that was willing to be quoted but not named quote he wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football college coaching has become fundraising nil and recruiting your own team and transfers there's no time to coach football anymore I'll add one more thing to this. Yeah, I think that that's all accurate, but it not it's you know the big schools. That's okay. You know, that that that's they're they're good. There are a few colleges, and I'm not exaggerating here, that are in Power Five quote Power Five conferences that the community cares less about college football than in Boston. Yeah, obviously the Patriots. You've got professional sports. Nobody gives a damn about Boston College in Boston, uh, no matter what the sport is, quite frankly. They've had a couple of decent basketball teams since Doug Flutie was there. You know, rarely have they been any good in football, and nobody cares. So I'm glad that he got a good gig. You know, I figured he'd just get – in fact, you know, they had some subpar teams the last couple of years. I'm actually surprised he didn't get fired I've had this discussion with a couple of uh, you know, colleagues of mine, one's from Boston. They, 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 we just figured that they didn't care enough to fire him. Um, so I'm glad that he got a gig. I think he's a very good coach. And uh, he will do a, you know, I think the Packers are a really good fit for him. Uh, continuing with this theme about college football, Kirk Herbstreet weighed in on X yesterday as well and said that college football in its current state will be seeing more and more coaches heading to the NFL without boundaries and regulation that makes sense. Coaches that get real opportunities in the NFL will be gone. This trend will continue until there is a new governing body and it creates a CBA with a player's entity or union that would include issues like NIL, transfer portal, and eventually revenue sharing the sport is spiraling out of control as we know and many of these coaches are not sticking around and waiting just a new reality for the sport 
I agree with all that, but once again, if you're a established powerhouse college, if you're a top 25, perennial top 25 team, you're okay. I mean, you know, everything's going okay. Most of those programs, no problem. I think that this is going to, as far as coaches leaving like Catholic, it's going to be, you know, comfort teams that are just, you know, kind of just staggering along. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- th- this is only going to get worse. Uh, and if anybody that's surprised about this NIL thing not exactly working out is the powers to be intended. Intended? What the hell were they thinking? Um, you know, you're gonna pay players, and you know, you pay. They were players that were there were players paid in college football a hundred years ago, uh, under the table and whatever. Uh, and this this is just I, I not even I thought it would reach the yeah, so-called epidemic proportions that it's reached reach now. I forgot who it was. I just heard a uh, um, you know a, there's a college player that actually is staying in school for a year because he's getting seven figures for next year to stay in school. Wow. Uh, you know, there's something obviously had to be done, but, um, without any sort of guardrails and regulations in place, it just moved at a rapid pace. And now at this point, trying to put any provisions in or have any regulatory control. Uh, and I think in Kirk's, uh, statement, there, kind of talking about how there needs to be a new governing body because the existing one has no control. Yeah, I'll, I'll just throw one other thing. I think everybody that watches television, and you, know, not, you don't even have to watch college football anymore. I see this, you know, I haven't had a college football game in like a month, and I saw this commercial again the last couple of weeks. The Dr. Pepper commercial with the transfer portal out of control with Brian Bosworth, the uh, you know, the cop in those commercials. It's a great saying commercial. Saying it's out of it's out of control. That's exact. That's like 100% correct. It is out of control. Uh, Moving on to another thing that caught my attention here. So Mike McDonald received a six-year deal with the Seahawks here. Uh, He just just first of all want to touch on former Ravens defensive coordinators becoming head coaches and the success that they've had. So you have Marvin Lewis, uh, 131, 122, and three all-time record as a head coach, 0-7 in the playoffs. Mike Nolan, 18 and 37. Rex Ryan, 61 and 66, 4 and 2 in the playoffs. I was actually a little surprised to see that it was a below 500 regular season uh, record for him. Chuck Pagano, 53 and 43, 3 and 3 in the playoffs. Now Mike McDonald gets his stamp on the Seahawks organization. Yeah, I've said this for a million years, and as recently as like I think last week. You have no idea, you know, no matter what, how impressed you are with an assistant coach until he actually becomes a head coach, whether he can handle all that. There's a lot going on that, you know, I don't think anybody can really judge until you see it in action. And uh, so it seems like a good idea as far as hiring a defensive guy in Seattle, uh, considering that, uh, you know, their offense should be pretty good, assuming their offensive line can stay healthy. But, uh, it seems like a, you know, not a bad idea at all to do the defensive side of things, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls flat on his face because there's been, unfortunately, lots of uh, sharp defensive coordinators that are in over their heads as head coaches. So we'll see what's up with that. Um, you know, it's uh, just kind of a 
kind of, you know, the six-year thing is interesting to me. Um, you know, Canales got a six-year deal from the Panthers, and actually, I watched Canales's opening some of his introductory press conference today. Man, that dude is impressive. I can see why you'd want to hire the guy. Uh, he did like a ten-minute spiel of you know, just ripping off names and his history, and without any script. I mean, he wasn't looking down at his, you know, you know, on his notes. He took this was with no notes. And I was highly impressed. I don't know if he can coach or not, quite frankly. I didn't even know who the dude was until this year when he was at Tampa. I know he was now. I know he was with the Seattle for Pete, with Pete Carroll for many years. But, uh, you know, if just based on the – he won the press conference. At least he won me over in the press conference this morning. Uh, going back to Mike McDonald here, I had no idea that there was this Ravens fandom that actually is upset – uh, with this particular outcome. And, and they're not ex- upset at Mike McDonald. They're ex- upset at the Ravens for not turning the keys over to him as head coach and moving on from John Harbaugh. I didn't even realize that this was like a growing thought and sentiment among certain Ravens fans. John Harbaugh, 160 and 99 as a head coach from 2008 to 2023. He's 12 and 10 in the playoffs, won the Super Bowl in 2012. He's lost three AFC championship games, lost five AFC divisional games, lost two AFC wildcard games, and has missed the playoffs just five years in his tenure though i had no idea that this was like a growing fan uh sentiment it's stupid i mean this is as dumb as the people that want to rip doc rivers for everything that every game that the you know, i guess now the bucks lose a game and it's doc rivers fault uh docker is uh you know every game that he's lost it's been his fault and had nothing to do with his players 602-260-1060 that's the number if you'd like to chime in some of the NFL moves, decisions, what you think about college football, if you agree with any of uh, you know the sentiments there that Kirk Herbstreet had pointed out. We'll also turn our attention here to the top remaining MLB free agents. And USA Today had a panel of people putting forth their best destinations and where they think those players remaining will end up. Pitchers and catchers reporting the countdown is on for that. So we'll get into a little... We'll get into a little bit of baseball on the other side of the break. But if you'd like to chime in, certainly feel free to do so. 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. Interact with Bob Kim's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. The Waste Management Phoenix Open is here next week. We have GA tickets for you. A pair for Wednesday, a pair for Thursday, a pair for Friday, a pair for Saturday, and a pair for Sunday. To get yourself eligible, download the KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users. Register key components so that we can figure out who you are to assign the tickets properly and get yourself entered to be eligible for those general admission tickets for next week. 
top remaining MLB free agents here. USA Today uh, had a panel of people discussing uh, the remaining top Major League Baseball free agents left and some of the best destinations or where they think they'll end up. So I thought we could go through some of that. The panel includes uh, Bob Nightingale, Gabe Lockes, uh, Steve Gardner, Scott Beck, and Jesse Yamato. So you can certainly follow along and read that with USA Today. But first up would be the reigning NL Cy Young winner with Blake Snell. Just recapping his 2023 season with the Padres, 14-9, and 32 games started, 2.25 ERA, 180 innings pitched, 234 strikeouts, 99 walks, and he gave up 15 home runs. Uh, he hasn't found a home just yet. According to Bob and Jesse, they think uh, that he'll end up with the Angels. Gabe and Scott believe the Yankees, and Steve Gardner think the Giants. The Angels, that would be interesting because they haven't made very many smart moves for a decade, as I've continually talked about for like a decade. Um, he's won two Cy Young Awards. Uh, he does not have a, you know, tremendous durability as, a, as far as uh, – I should rephrase that. He doesn't pitch long deep into games because he throws so many damn pitches. Um, you know, most people thought it was just the Tampa Bay thing. Well, the same thing happened in San Diego. Uh, so I assume that has something to do. I think his agent is Scott Boris too. Uh, I'm going to say that more than once, uh, which, uh, you know, might also you know, be an explanation as to why he's still a free agent. Uh, but if I were an MLB team, I would be investing my money elsewhere. The uh, next player on this list is someone we talked about yesterday, Cody Bellinger. His season resurrected, actually. 2023 Cubs, 499 at-bats, 153 hits, 29 doubles, 26 home runs, 97 RBIs, and 40 walks. Unanimous decision here for the the prevailing thought for him to return to the Cubs. Question, though, does it make sense for both parties for this to be a short-term deal? Uh, it does for the Cubs. I mean, I'm not buying Bellinger being back after one year. I mean, his best years in the uh, Major League Baseball world were when uh, they had the juice ball uh, at the end of the uh, last decade, and uh, he was great then, and he's had some injuries. He was even injured some last year. Those numbers would have been better. So, you know, once again, he, I'm sure that Scott Boros is his agent, uh, so I'm guessing that there's uh, one reason there's been a delay and also, I just don't know what the market is. Uh, as soon as Soto got traded to the Yankees, uh, those are the Cubs and the Yankees seem to be the two teams that were really the, the two teams mentioned uh, for him uh, at the start of December. And then once Soto became a Yankee, they were out of the running. So that just kind of leaves the Cubs and uh, doesn't leave a whole lot of bargaining position for Boris at this point. And uh, he's really good at drumming up business around the league. Maybe there's somebody, a mystery candidate, which has always been a term of his, uh, or maybe a term associated with him. Uh, but uh, I don't really know where else he can go at this point. Yeah, does it sort of seem like maybe teams uh, with whatever the asking price is feel that it's a little bit too high and also just concerned that this resurrection was a one-year aberration. Well, I think the biggest thing for Bellinger for me is he couldn't hit a high fastball for like three years. Uh, I'm not joking here. 
uh, and uh, just couldn't catch up to it. We saw that a lot when he played against the Diamondbacks when he was still with the Dodgers. They, you know, even guys that didn't have tremendous velocity would blow him away with high fastballs. And you know, I watched you know, him obviously a lot more than they when they were just playing the Diamondbacks. That was he was a uh, you know quote an easy out. Uh, if you're if you're ahead in the count and just needed a you know basically a you know put away pitch, it wasn't hard to get him out. And seemed like he got the that skill back last year as being able to hit a high fastball. And it just wasn't all the wind blowing out at Wrigley, which you know the wind by that whole thing is the wind usually you know, more times than not the wind blows in at Wrigley, uh, not out. But uh, you know on the hot days in the summer when it blows out, you can you know certainly manufacture some good numbers out of that but uh last year he seemed to catch up to the five fastball which we hadn't seen literally since for the most part since 2019 maybe 2020 and of course he had the shoulder injury in the world series that year matt chapman 509 at bats 122 hits 39 doubles two triples 17 home runs 54 rbis and 62 walks for him last season uh three on the panel think that the giants would be a great spot in addition yeah. to citing that melvin and matt williams have yeah, been correct. publicly advocating for him another well, uh, melvin melvin used to manage him too in oakland when his best years of major league career chapman where he was you know in oakland and melvin was the manager so that that all makes way too much sense uh, the next person advocating for the Tigers with the AL Central here, some up for grabs, ready for the Tigers to take. So add in a, in a, a strong power bat and a gold glove. And the other person citing uh, the Cubs because the Blue Jays signed Justin Turner. He's obviously not returning back there. The Cubs definitely need a third baseman. That's a glaring hole for them right now. I think Detroit's out of the picture now because they just signed their top minor league prospect or not prospect. He's going to be on the major league roster this year. They just signed a you know, guy that's never, I don't think he's even played a, you know, one game in the major leagues, but they just signed him to a long-term contract, uh, and he's their third baseman for several years. We will take a pause there, continue the rest of the list on the other side of the break. There's a few more names left to get to, so we'll do that next as we wrap up our number one of the extra point on this Thursday, February 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. And as another reminder here for you, download that KDOS 1060 app. It's your way to general admission tickets for the Waste Management Phoenix Open next week. We have tickets Wednesday through Sunday. So download the app, make sure you're registered and follow along with the listener rewards, options and opportunities to be a winner. Wrapping up our number one, continuing the top remaining. MLB free agents uh, with the USA Today panel and Bob's reactions next. Check out KDUSAM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Extra point on this Thursday, February 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you, continuing the conversation 
about the top remaining MLB free agents. USA Today's panel put together best destinations and where they think these players will end up. We went through Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, and Matt Chapman. Next up on the list here is Jordan Montgomery. Uh, I'm just highlighting what he did with Texas after the trade last season. He was um, 11 starts with Texas in the regular season, went 4-2, and 2.79 ERA, 67 and two-thirds innings pitched, five strikeouts, 13 walks, six uh, home runs given up, and then in the postseason, five starts, 3-1, and 2.90 ERA, 31 innings pitched, 17 strikeouts, five walks, plus he did come out of the pen in a game. Yeah, and I've always, uh, until last year, I've been uh, you know, a naysayer or whatever the right term is, uh, not not in his camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I was just skewed because the Yankees, uh, when they desperately seemed to need, uh, seemed to need starting pitchers, traded him uh, to St. Louis, and he did okay there. Uh, but you know, he was excellent, obviously. Uh, unfortunately, Diamondbacks fans are aware of this. Uh, but he was excellent for the Rangers and, you know, a huge reason why they won the World Series. I'm a little surprised here that he's still on the market, but uh, uh, maybe it's a thing that, you know, Snell and uh, Montgomery are kind of going for a similar salary, I assume, even though you got one guy who's won two, two Cy Youngs, the other guy hasn't, but the other guy won a World Series and it was a big reason why that team won the World Series. So Nightingale thinks that he'll end up back with the Rangers, that he wants to go back. Texas wants him back, but it's about working out the money uh, for him to return. Then we have two on the panel that think he thinks he ends up with the Red Sox, but the Red Sox haven't uh, done much. So will they do something now? Also, someone points out that uh, apparently his wife is doing a clinical rotation at a Boston area hospital. So there you go. Uh, another- well, the Red Sox are just in their fans are so furious with them. They've done nothing, literally nothing. Uh, they've, you know, they're just not spending money. And uh, this has been, this was a big talk. There's a lot of talk about this last weekend that uh, this has become a real issue. Uh, you know, they, they, they supposedly are passing on Montgomery and Snell. Uh, then you have the Orioles as a potential landing spot. If they don't uh, get Dylan Cease, will they turn in this direction? Ooh, I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. That, with a young team that plays really good defense, I think that would be a perfect fit. Plus, you got the long left field fence now that they moved back like 30 feet a couple years ago. That would be tremendous for him. And finally, the other alternative here would be the Giants if they don't land Snell. Yeah, I'm all good for that, too. Uh, in fact, I would rather have Montgomery than Snell. Jorge Soler, 504 at-bats, 126 huh. hits, 24 doubles, 36 home runs, 75 RBIs, and 66 walks. Three think the Red Sox because you can bring a big bat, fill outfield, or DH, and they haven't done anything. Tigers, insurance for Parker Meadows' inexperience, and the Rays wait out uh, the market to add a bat that hits a lot of home runs. I would, uh, if I'm Solaire, don't let me go to Detroit because that's a huge ballpark, hard to hit home runs. Uh, This is the guy the Diamondbacks should have, you know, obviously I think it had to do with money, but uh, he would have been a far better fit from the Diamondbacks than Jock Peterson, who they officially announced that they had signed this week. 
And finally on the list here is J.D. Martinez, 432 at-bats, 117 hits, 27 doubles, two triples, 33 home runs, 103 RBIs, and 34 walks last season for the DH position. Nightingale thinks the Giants uh, would be a good fit for him with his bat that could solve a lot of their offensive concerns. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I know a lot of people, Diamondbacks fans, wanted J.D. Martinez to come here. Uh, I just don't think he can stay healthy. Any, you know, he, he was in. You know, you mentioned there was 430 some at bats last year. He doesn't walk much, so there wasn't a whole lot of extra plate appearances there. And he missed some time last year with the Dodgers. Those numbers uh, inflated a little bit with the Dodgers last year because they had such a spectacular lineup, which is even better this year. Uh, but the the. the He's an older dude, and he's had some injury issues for sure. And, uh, you know, I was not in favor of the Diamondbacks pursuing him, but I was definitely thinking that Solaire would have been a really, just baseball-wise, the best fit of what the Diamondbacks could do before they decided Jock Peterson was their guy who can't hit left-handed pitchers. Some other destinations for Martinez in this panel, the Angels, the Guardians, the Diamondbacks, and the Mets. Well, the Diamondbacks aren't going to sign him now. So, uh, you know, unless there's some kind of uh, where would he play? Uh, yeah, Peterson's more of a DH than he is an outfielder. In fact, he really, yeah, Martinez, uh, he played, had, he had a few games last year where he was in the outfield for the Dodgers because they were kind of desperate because they had some injuries. But neither of those two guys should be actually playing any outfield May, even in the outfield for an inning or two anymore, the stage of their careers. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Thursday, February 1st, is coming up on the other side of the break.